0: In the Navy, they're taught the best way to fight a storm or hurricane was just to move out to sea and anchor deep. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. There are times in our lives when we're caught in storms. Maybe someone listening is going through that right now. The best way to fight a storm is to anchor deep. Join us as we explore this year's theme and see how we have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure in Christ. We hope you enjoy. Awesome. Let's give it up for the worship team. Uh, we're so blessed to have so many different uh, beautiful musicians, singers, worship leaders. For those of you that are here, welcome. And those of you that are joining us online, thank you for joining us. Uh, we pray that today will be a cup-filling day for you. I... Um, I think we're in the week three, correct? Yes, week three of a series that we started at the beginning of the year. Actually, the very first sermon, I said our theme, which is amazed. Can you say that with me? Amazed. So that's our theme and amazed. Oh my gosh, I'm really losing it, I think. Amazed was a good year. Let's rewind. Anchored. 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 That's on my mind because we're going to be doing something upstairs for the year of amaze. But anchored, and we talked about being anchored in 2023 to Jesus Christ. And the truth is, the rest of our life, that would be a good theme, amen? That we'd be anchored to Jesus Christ. So in this series, Anchored in Red, we are taking a look at the red Words in the gospel. Sometimes some of us have Bibles that are printed in the gospels red, which means this is when Jesus is speaking. So that's the little twist on this anchored in red. So I would ask you, how are you doing? What are you anchored to? And if this is all kind of new to you, praise God that you're here because the red is Jesus Christ and that's who we ought to be anchored to. Amen. Um, kind of a side note, but on the same page, uh, I pulled this off of my shelf this week. Uh, it's a book by one of my favorite authors, Max Lucado, and it's entitled Jesus. But as a setting for today, I thought it would be really good to read the back cover for you. As a reminder to those of us that are Christ followers, and to those of you that are new to all this, I want you to just get a little glimpse of who this Jesus is. He writes on the back, Max Licato, for 33 years, Jesus felt everything you and I have ever felt. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Weakness, weariness, sadness, rejection. His feet got tired and his head ached. He was tempted and his strength was tested. To think of Jesus in such a light seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It is much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation. Clean the manure from around the manger. There is something about keeping Jesus divine that keeps him distant, packaged, and predictable. But he goes on to say this. Now dial in here. But it's only when we let him into the muck and the mire of our world that he could pull us out. In becoming human, Jesus made it possible for us to see God. His tears are God's tears. His voice is God's voice. Want to know what matters to God? Find out what matters to Jesus. Want to know what God is doing? Well, ponder the words of Jesus' life. And then he closes with this. God wants you to know him. As you read these pages, may the hero, I love this, may the hero of all history talk to you personally. May the hero of all history talk to you personally. And may you find in him the answer to your deepest needs. That's my prayer for myself, and that's my prayer for you today. Father in heaven, whether we're sitting on a couch or listening to this in the car or if we're sitting here live in the purple seats, God, you're all over this. You're everywhere. And God, we are asking that your Holy Spirit would dwell within each of our hearts and minds, that we would push the garbage and the pain and the hurts of this world aside and that we would have personal time with the hero of all history. Thank you. In the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said. So I don't know about you. I don't know if you have a day off or two days off, or you get all seven days. But um, Friday's officially my day off, and uh, sometimes I'm good with it. Sometimes I'm not so good with it. But this last Friday, um, I did something that I've always wanted to do, but I haven't. And so um, in the afternoon, I um, went down to PCH. Anyone like PCH? The beach? That's kind of like my place. And I went to a place called the Getty Villa uh, Museum. By the hmms, I think a few people have been there, huh? All by myself... And it's the afternoon. If you remember, Friday was a beautiful day, right? And so I'm there, and I'm just wandering the grounds, just, just trying to be not thinking, right? You ever have those days? And so I'm just wandering, and it's beautiful. And you don't even have to like museums to like the Getty Villa, by the way. You could just, the, the views are just beautiful. So I stopped wandering and uh, made myself to the coffee cart, paid $8 for a coffee, and um, enjoyed that just sitting and just watching people and and enjoying the environment. Then I started going into um, some of the areas of the Getty and and, and I I found myself standing looking at pottery from 2,000 years ago. And I have nobody with me, so I could just do whatever I want. And I'm reading the descriptions. And I'm just, I'm just like looking at the detail of this going, wait a second. I know we can manufacture this like by thousands here today. But like people didn't have Michaels with a 50% discount where they could get canvas and clay and paints, right? And I'm just sitting there watching this pondering going, this is unbelievable how gifted human beings have been throughout history. So, Just, you know, did that and actually went on one of the tours and learned all kinds of neat stuff, but that's beside the point. So it's sun starting to set. I'm going to go and pick up my son. He's in Westlake. He's got baseball practice. And so I decide I'm going to take PCH. And you you could ride along with me right now. I'm taking all this in. I found an old CD in my truck. I popped it in, because I have a CD player, Jim Croce's Greatest Hits. And I'm blaring this, looking at the sun setting, just thinking about what I just saw and experienced. And I'm like, if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I like to do, yeah, I'll, I'll save the rest. But in doing that, I was thinking about all the stuff I just saw and how in awe I was from 2,000 years ago. And then all of a sudden it hit me, this book, Jesus' words, the same period of time, 2,000 years ago. And I was convicted Am I still in awe of his words like I was in awe of the stuff that I saw today? And I would challenge you also with, like, church, literally, we are reading God's words. Amen? These are. God's words. Yes, those were cool plates. Yes, those were good helmets. Yes, it was beautiful marble. Yes, the statues were unbelievable. But in comparison, you and I get to hear from God Almighty. Do you want to know the history maker, the hero of all history? We get to look at his words. We looked at John chapter 1 two weeks ago. Pastor John looked at John chapter 2 with the miracle, the first miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. And today, I get to be blessed to preach out of John chapter 3. And if you think about it, hidden within the middle of this text is the greatest, well-known, most popular verse probably in all of history, which is? John 3.16. And we always jump right to the John 3.16. But today we get to surround what happened before and after those words were shared. Are you ready? Pull out your pencils, pull out your pen, pull out your computers, your laptops, whatever. Let's take some notes. We're going to go to John chapter uh, 3. And we're going to look at verse 1. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. Can you just say that? Nicodemus. I I know uh, I said, hey, if you're pregnant and you're struggling with a a boy name, I guess it could be a girl name too. Uh, There's one right there. I had three pregnant ladies tell me last service. No, thank you. But anyways, (laughs) I think Nick's a great nickname. But anyways... There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with them. And I want to pause right here, taking notes, write down number one, write down Nicodemus. And I just think it'd be good for us to slow down for a moment and learn about who these people are that we're talking about. Nicodemus, the the verse describes a little bit about who he is, because right out the gate, it says, Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee. And some of you know Pharisees, some of you don't. Some of you automatically go to Paul, who used to be Saul, and then he had this road to Damascus, life change. And he said, I am the Pharisee of all Pharisees. So what is a Pharisee? A Pharisees are a very influential religious sect within Judaism. Uh, Mostly, they were middle class uh, businessmen, leaders within the synagogue. They were very, very well educated. And um, religiously and politically, they were crazy conservative, especially compared to their counterparts, the Sadducees. And can I just give you this? They were a pain in the rear for Jesus. Jesus. You know, when you read the gospels, you're constantly seeing the Pharisees going after Jesus, a little arrogance there. But what's interesting is we know this about Nicodemus, but if you keep reading, it says who was a member of what? The Jewish ruling council. So what does that mean? Not only was he a Pharisee, well-educated, probably middle class, probably a lot of power, probably a lot of pride, but he was a part of the Jewish ruling council, which would be the Sanhedrin. And again, this isn't going to be life-changing for you, but I think it helps set the stage for what we're going to learn about this guy, Nicodemus. Uh, The Jewish council was a religious legislative body set up by the Roman government. They could appoint kings, uh, they could declare war, and they could, try false prophets, uh, high priests, rebellious elders, <laughs> rebellious elders. Uh, we had a few of those in the first service. Um, Gary Millard's here, uh, who's an elder. Gary's just a prince. I mean, he's just precious. Never would I say rebellious elder. And yet the truth is with our elder elders that were in the first service. And if you don't know that, they're the overseers of the church we have amazing elders at our church. Can we give them a hand? I continue to tell you I'm working with churches and a lot of times it's elder issues. Our elders are humble, they're smart, they're God-fearing men. And I wanna just selfishly say from the day I took over as lead pastor, they said, we got your back. And they have my back and I love our elders. And you know what? Behind every great man is a better woman. And so our elders' wives, can we give a hand to our elders' wives for all their love, for all their sacrifice? And so in this, in this case, we read about Nicodemus, and we see all this but we see that not only is he a, a Pharisee, but he's a part of, of, of the Sanhedrin. So that bumps him up with his intelligence, that bumps him up with his power, that bumps him up with his influence, and it bumps him up with his bank account. So I spend a lot of time with this because of what you're gonna see happens with this man who before this week, I would have said, okay, yeah, Nicodemus, I know that, that story. But I am telling you, after studying his life in depth, as much as we know, like I want to, if I had a hat, I'd take my hat off to him. Like I am so impressed by this individual. What we know more about him is if you read in verse two, he came to Jesus. Now remember, he's got all this authority. He's got all this power. He's got all this prestige. He's got all this money. He's got everything. He checks all the boxes that most people would want. But he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not within him. I want you to think about that for just a moment. You may not know because it's not a part of our culture, but for a man of all the statures and all the boxes that he checked, for him to approach Jesus and address him as rabbi, he is, he is all of a sudden placing himself under Jesus. He is saying, you are teacher. You have authority right now to speak in my life. Now, if I told you right out the gate, we all probably would have gone, oh, okay. But now that you know he has all these you know, big marks in his life, all this prestige, all this power, that is very humbling, isn't it? And what that tells me about, about this man is that there was something missing in his life. And he knew it, even though he had all the education, all the power, and all the money. So the Bible tells us that he came and, and, and sought Jesus out at what? At night, right? And there's, there's, there's arguments on that. You know, people are like, oh, he did that because he was fearful of his life. He was fearful of others within the Pharisees and, and, and the Sanhedrin that they heard that he talked to Jesus, that they would kick him out or maybe even kill him. All that doesn't even matter, to be honest. I honestly think knowing the character of this guy, He just knew that he wanted a conversation with this Jesus. He knew that he wanted to learn from him. And nighttime was the best time because that's when Jesus could be found alone. (laughs) Whatever it is, he went to him and he said, Rabbi, he saw Jesus and he humbled himself. It's a theologian approaching a carpenter. Did you catch that? It's a theologian approaching a carpenter. Now, Jesus is going to respond. And here's our first, you know, red red letters, you know, red words. Jesus replied in verse 3, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now, here's this highly intelligent man that had to have heard just that one sentence and look at Jesus kind of like, what? What? And really probably not give that away, but he's processing everything he's learned, everything he's read, everything he's heard from even teachers before him. And this is not, this is not making sense. And there's two phrases in there that are really big that stick out. One is kingdom of God. And the second is born again. These are the two things that I think are going to be stuck in his head. Like, what in the world does that mean? But again, remember, Nicodemus placed himself in a role of a learner from this rabbi. He humbled himself. And so I could spend literally a month on the kingdom of God. There's a lot that's talked about about the kingdom of God. I could talk probably for hours on this whole idea of born again born again. But what I'm going to do for you in this moment is I'm just going to give you the cliff note cliff note cliff note version of kingdom of god and born again. Are you ready? Hold on your purple seats. Here we go. Heaven and how to get there. Kingdom of God, heaven, eternal life, born again how to get there. Are you with me? Now, hopefully, that should set some some interest. uh, Something in your your heart and your mind should have gone off because when we talk about heaven, I hope that everyone of us wants to spend eternity in heaven. And something we don't talk about enough here, and it's my fault because I'm the one that speaks most of the time, is the other options hell. This is a heaven or hell message. And the reality is you can say whatever you want about whatever you think about those topics. But we're just going straight to God's word. So you can't argue with me on this. You got to argue with the big guy. But this is a very serious message. And it's a message that he's talking to Nicodemus, and some 2,000 years later, I think it's a message for each and every one of us today, which leads me to the second point. The first one was Nicodemus. The second point is questions, because there comes questions from Nicodemus. Again, highly educated man. He's willing to engage. He's not debating. You're going to see Nicodemus heard this, and he go, Jesus, what are you talking about? I've seen you do these miracles. I've heard you talk to teach. I'm impressed with you. I know there's something different. This is why I came out at night to have this conversation. But you are crazy, just like my buddies were saying. Like, what are you talking about, kingdom of God? What are you talking about, born again? I, what, 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 what? But you, again, we just see Nicodemus' heart because that's not what happens. You look at verse four. He says, how can someone be born again when they're old? That's a good question, isn't it? Like, that's a logical response to Jesus saying, you got to be born again. Because literally, if you haven't heard this passage, you're going to be like Nicodemus go, enter my mother's womb a second time? Like, what are you talking about? If you're thinking from a like, literal standpoint, or if you're thinking figuratively, Maybe, maybe you're going to be like, well, um, I'm too old to change. But still the question, if you're writing this down, the question, the first one is, how could someone be born when they're old? Well, Jesus, and this is key, Jesus is speaking f- spiritually while Nicodemus is thinking physically. Does that make sense? And, and the truth... <laughs> I'm just like you. I'm just like you. Everything about me thinks physically before it thinks spiritually. Like, is that normal? And so, of course, Nicodemus isn't a bad guy. Of course he's thinking physically. You know, we, we got to, th- how many of you are thinking physically right, like, right now going, I don't want to see another DWP bill. Oh, so you're getting them like us, right? Like, when did this happen? When they all of a sudden got tripled, you know? And somehow someone showed my wife this app, like literally, you could see every second of what's happening. So she was like, Easton, you took a forty-two shower the other day. I'm like, let them keep taking those. Rack up that bill. I don't care. You know, teenage boy, right? But eh, squirrel. But we think physically, you know, keeping the, the, the air in the tires, right? Uh, keeping a roof over our head, uh, keeping uh, food on the table. Physi- These are physical things. And a lot of times we're not forced with the, the spiritual. Maybe, just maybe once in a while when we sit in church on a Sunday. But this is what Nicodemus is, is faced with. And this is what we're faced with today. Whether you were ready or not, God is asking you to think spiritually. Think eternally. Like, I don't even know if any of us thought about this week. I I didn't, and I only did when I did because I'm preaching on it. Like, have you thought about your eternity? Have you thought about if you got hit by a car? One of our members is horrific. Her dad got hit by a car this week and died. Just out of nowhere. And so as young as you are, as old as you are today, I have to ask you, what's going to happen when you die? Where are you going to spend your eternity, in heaven or in hell? And God wants all of us with him. Amen? Got quiet. And it should, because that's probably one of the most important questions of our life. Jesus in verse five says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And Nicodemus is like, okay, okay. Okay, I still don't quite get it. And maybe that's where you're at in this moment. So he he gives them a second question. How can this be? Can you say that with me? How can this be? Say it again. How can this be? And Nicodemus is like, This, this, I'm listening, I'm trying to track with you, Jesus, but this going right over my head. Again, highly influential, a lot of power, a lot of money a lot of smarts, and he's not tracking completely. And Jesus answers them, you are Israel's teacher, which I think this is so cool. You might fly by this, but I'm like, if I'm Nicodemus and Jesus says you are Israel's teacher, I'm like going, okay, there is something special about this guy. How did he know this? How does he know this? And the same question we could ask today, is the same answer. He knows every hair on our head. He was there when we were put together, when we were created. He knows all the good and the bad and the ugly, and he still loves us despite us. That's personal, isn't it? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. You see what's so cool about Jesus is part of it is, yes, he knows who Nicodemus is, and part of knowing who Nicodemus is is he met Nicodemus where he was. And he brought in a story that Nicodemus had taught Nicodemus probably heard probably from his grandparents, something that he was so familiar with that, again, Jesus is so amazing. He meets us where we're at and takes us to where we need to go. And he brings up the story. Just as Moses lifted up the stake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. You're like, "Well, what are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Numbers chapter 21, verse four through nine. Back in the Old Testament, this is what Jesus is referring to. This is what Nicodemus is going to understand. They traveled from Mount Har along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt only to die in the wilderness? See, whining is biblical. There's no bread, there's no water, there's no cavarettas. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes. You better watch out about what you're complaining about today. I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. Don't hold that against me. Don't trick me. Stick one in my office or something like that. You're going to be the first to hear this. I'm going to Cambodia next month, next month, March. And my greatest fear at the moment is the snakes. So I am glad and I'm praising Jesus that every time I complain, he doesn't send me a venomous snake. But that's what happens. And Then the Lord sent a venomous snake among them. They bit Oh, that's the part I don't want. They bit the people and many, many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we, okay, sorry. Uh, we sinned. You're right. We were wrong. We spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us, please. So Moses prayed for the people. That's cool of Moses because I would have like keep biting them. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Now that's weird, isn't it? But if God asks you to do something, you do it. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at it, the bronze uh, looked at the bronze snake, guess what happened? They lived. See, God fulfills what he says he's going to do. And as crazy as that story is, and as much as it doesn't make sense, it doesn't matter. If I'm going to die from a snake bite, and I have to humble myself enough to look up at a guy that's holding a pole with a bronze snake on it, and I see people that do that are living and people that aren't doing it dying, I'm going to look. And if I choose in my own pridefulness and, and, and my own selfishness to not do it, then fine. Fine. I made that choice, and I get to die. And that's called free will, isn't it? But how stubborn does someone have to be and so self-absorbed? They wouldn't be able to look up. And so when Jesus says that, Nicodemus is like, oh my gosh, I'm putting two and two together. Yes, grandpa said, man, he was bit by the snake, but when he looked up, all of a sudden, uh, as he was going down to die, all of a sudden he was healthy as could be. And as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Jesus says, the son of man must be lifted up. And you must look up to him and believe upon him. Amen? So that's the scene that's been set. Now, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's amazing, isn't it, church? Amen. For God so loved. That word love is tough. If we look at it from a physical standpoint, it's got all kinds of beautiful things about it and it's got so much pain about it. But if we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, which God is asking Nicodemus to do, it's unbelievable that God loved us so much that he would send his one and only son to die for us. And then there's this word right after it, whoever believes in him. It doesn't matter what's in your bank account. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how much sin and the the kind of sin that you've committed in your life. We are all equal when it comes to, for God so loved the world. Whoever. I was reminded just, just, just uh, yesterday, uh, I had the blessing of uh, performing a celebration of life service for Priscilla. And um, it was powerful. I don't know if you remember Priscilla. Uh, most of you will not she, she sat right here in the third row, as most of you sit in the same seats, the third row. And she was there. She was the kind of person that during worship, she just worshiped her guts out. While I was preaching, she was the one that would talk to me while I'm preaching, you know, amen, uh-huh, finished verses before. She, she, she battled cancer for nine years. And she wore a scarf, blinged out with Jesus, right? And uh, if you went up to Priscilla and said, how are you doing? She would always say, God is so good. And yesterday, one of her granddaughters said even when she had multiple times where she was told the cancer came back, she would in a weird way say, well, praise God, now I get to witness. And she had a t-shirt ministry. Every every treatment that she had, she wore some kind of t-shirt that lifted up the name of Jesus. You see, this woman did not look at life through a physical filter, but she looked at it through a spiritual filter that even the pain of the world she was experiencing, she was able to have a greater love from the God that sent his one and only son. Whoever, Matthew chapter 10, 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge them. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Mark chapter three, verse 35, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and my mother. Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. John chapter four, verse 14, but whoever drinks the water, and you see the theme, whoever is consistent within Jesus ministry because he died for each and every one of us. He loves us more than anyone could ever experience here on this earth. His grace is greater than anything you could ever taste in life. So the question is, have you said yes to Jesus? Some of you may not know what that means, and this is a perfect time because next Sunday, next Sunday, during this second service, so I'd encourage you to come to first service and go to this class second service, or may I even say it's that important to miss three weeks of this service and go to class upstairs It's called the Discover Life class. And if you're a Christian and you're looking for a church and wanting to know what we believe, that's a great class to go to. And if you're not a Christian, you have no clue who this Jesus is. You have no clue about half of what I'm talking about. This class is a great class for you to go to for three weeks and you will learn about who Jesus is. You'll learn about the Bible. You'll learn about sin. You'll learn about grace and you'll learn about what does it mean to be born again? Because just as we physically enter this world through birth, we enter into heaven through a spiritual birth. Amen. Also, today's Meet the Pastor. Here I am. (laughs) But I want to meet you more than this. I want to be able to shake your hand, give you a hug, tell you a little bit about what the history of this church is little bit about my story. And that is right after service, 1145, make your way through the gym and there's lunch provided. And I would love for you to make that a priority today. Um, you don't even have to have uh, made a reservation because John could turn that food, the five fish and the two loaves into enough for 5,000. I'm gonna close with this. As my dad would say, no decision is a decision. If you got bit by the snake and you were told to look up so that you could live and you just decided I'm not going to look up or down, you automatically have chosen I'm looking down. No decision is a decision. Some of you need to make that decision for Christ. And some of you that have made that decision for Christ, I'm just going to shoot, straight shoot with you. You need to decide that this is going to be your home. If you believe this is a Bible preaching, teaching place, you need to say, I'm going to become a member and a teammate and let's go stomp on the gates of hell together. Nicodemus had super religious training, but very little spiritual insight before this conversation. But this conversation would change his life. It was up to Nicodemus on whether he was going to believe his conversation with Jesus or the history of the Israelites and the power of being a Pharisee. Father, my prayer for myself is that I would say yes to you, that I would continue to humble myself and continue to learn from you, like Nicodemus set such a beautiful example. Lord, I pray that you would continue to do a thing in our hearts, in our lives, so that we would not just be checking the box But we would be checking our heart and saying yes to you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.